calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Frau Pow. We're your hosts, Odd and Rags. What do you want to talk about? Um, so, you know, uh, I want to talk about triggers. Don't get me started. Don't even get me started. I think that it's really important because, I mean, the, you and I both talked about this kind of after talking to all of these amazing people for our podcast and talking about some really sensitive stuff. And also, I think, at least for me, I'm not going to speak for you, um, being home um, during uh, social dense, distance pandemic time has really brought up a lot of, you know, like old stuff. Um, and I think when you're really anxious and stressed out, you can default to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, and so just like, I don't know, I've been thinking about triggers a lot and how we, um, people now, I, maybe it's just our generation, just talk about being triggered. And I'm going to talk about what it, like what triggers are and what it could look like. Like, what does that mean? Okay. So do we need a trigger warning for this then? <laughs> Um, I don't know if we need a trigger warning for this, but I guess as long as we don't too get deep. like cool too deep. I just meant to like, you know, like what do we mean when we talk about that? I think people, and I think like boo, like baby boomers are like very apt to be like, oh, mm-hmm. like roll your eyes, roll their eyes, and like, oh, like someone's yeah. triggered by that. Like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. I mean, because I, I think a lot of people don't actually, like, I think s- people have this half idea of what triggered means, and I don't necessarily think that's, mm-hmm. that half idea is necessarily wrong, but I don't think they have a full idea. Um, so, right. yeah, I think this is a good topic. Uh, I do think that being in quarantine has put more stress and pressure onto a lot of people and how they're coping. and. 
they're probably being forced to be around some triggers that they can usually avoid. Yeah, exactly. And I, so I saw, that's going to sound super millennial, but you know, here we are. Um, I saw a um, Instagram post from an account that we follow called Sad Girls Club. And it talks about, it's a, a an Instagram account that talks about um, mental health um, and things like that. And um, they, I think, defined trigger in a way that makes the most sense to me without it being like too jargony or, um, you know, highfalutin. Um, <laughs> they said that a trigger is an experience that draws us into the past and causes old feelings and behaviors to arise. That sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, I think so. But I think that can look really different for a lot of people. And then also, like, really different for whatever, like, memory or trauma you're, like, being yeah. triggered on. Um, I think for me, a lot of the times, I don't even, most of the time, I feel like I don't realize when I'm being triggered because I've worked really hard on not being like so reactionary mm-hmm. um in therapy and um so like my things that cause me like an immediate response that's not healthy um or like a really defensive mm-hmm. response um i've most for the most part i mean i'm definitely not perfect but i've like helped kind of like build coping mechanisms to like navigate those moments and like figure out how to better respond or like take space um immediately and then be able to like come back in um but like my triggers i think now are like ruminating on things so like i'll hear someone talk about something or um i'll watch a tv show or i don't know like something will come up in conversation and like for me it's a lot about like i'm like thinking about that person's experience and then relating it to my own And that, for me, triggers a lot of, um, like, unhealthy, uh, like, cognitive stuff, which is really hard because I didn't even notice. I don't notice most of the time until, like, you know, two days afterwards. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm feeling really Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Um, And that, like, self-doubt and, yeah, I think just, like, complete vulnerability and, like, insecurity for me is... I mean, not always a trigger, but, like, I feel, like, sort of, like, an exposed nerve when those yeah. things happen. That's how I feel, too. I feel, I just feel exposed. Right. You know, and volatile. Like, I feel like my reaction can go in any direction, but it's going to be a strong reaction. Right. Exactly. It's not, like, it feels like I'm a turtle and someone took my, like, shell away. It's not necessarily, because I don't know about you, but I feel like I um stereotype like what a trigger could be and just someone just like i don't know like having a panic attack like immediately after they like see something that reminds mm-hmm. them of a traumatic experience and for me it hasn't really been that at all it's just like yeah i think number one recognizing what those things are and how they relate back to bad experiences and trauma mm-hmm. and then like how to sort of temper any sort of any sort of distress that comes out of that right i don't know i just I, this is maybe less of an interesting topic than i thought it was <laughs> well i mean 
maybe it's not a fun topic. Maybe it's not, you know, a topic that brings a lot of energy and everything. We'll leave that to the interview that follows this. But I think this is an important topic because I think that a lot of people don't really know what can be a trigger or how a trigger can affect you. Like, I know what is sometimes a trigger for me. And then sometimes it's like, I can just walk past it, you know? And it's weird because like, I guess part of it depends on how vulnerable I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things are almost always a trigger. And then some things are not always a trigger. And then some things are like, and it becomes like a spectrum of like always to never for me. And then my reactions to it scale based on my mood, how I'm feeling the whole nine yards. Um, And I think that like, there are events that are coming up that can be, or events not necessarily coming up, but like events across throughout the year, like Mother's Day or Father's Day. um, Maybe Memorial Day is a trigger because of like whatever, you know, a weekend, like a, a specific date can be hard because of past experiences and losing a loved one or something like that. And so, you know, There's all these triggers that can just happen in a span of a year that can just be based on a date and not anything that you can do to avoid. And I think that a lot of people don't recognize that. Like they just think that a trigger can be something that somebody says or does, but it can something also be very relatively concrete. Like you don't have a choice but to but to like get past Christmas sort of thing. Yeah, I think for me, though, it's like I I think about it as something con- like in my mind, I'm like, oh, like if this person sees like a like purple blanket, they're going to, you know, have a like a visceral response to it. You know, I mean, and obviously that does happen with people. But like for me, that's not necessarily what happens. And so I think I just was like, oh, I don't really get like triggered. I'm just sort of like grumpy right (laughs) and like that's not true at all like my therapist was like well i think that you're just you need more compassion i was like yep probably probably yeah i think it's like this like a weird feeling of being reminded of something that was really difficult or hard and that those sort of things make you feel really vulnerable and then um something a date or um something less concrete like someone says something or a type of person that it brings you back to that same sense of vulnerability and i think most of all like insecurity um like with that vulnerability because i think also vulnerability can be a source of strength Mm -hmm. if it's you know done in a secure place and um you know as our lord and savior Brene brown says but i think that when you're getting triggered, that like feeling of um, something bad with the vulnerability always comes. Yeah. And vulnerability is sometimes good. I mean, I think that addressing your triggers without, I think addressing your triggers is an important thing. I think it's good for you to do. I don't necessarily know the best ways to do it. Like I'm just thinking because of like it's it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to talk about things that can make you vulnerable. And I think to a certain extent it's okay to talk about your triggers and what what is 
good or bad for you. Um, but again, that also has to be done in a very like sensitive, appropriate place that has to be done where you feel protected and safe, you know, because you don't want to have that. You're going to have an emotional hangover essentially, but you don't want to feel like you've been pushed over the edge. Right. Of course. And like, and I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize that you can talk about it safely. Yeah, I mean, I think, unfortunately, you have to face those triggers and, like, really be vulnerable about, like, trauma um, and things that you've experienced in order to, um, like, be able to deal with that distress that happens because you are just, like, associating, like, an emotional... I hate, I hate like, that we're, like, reusing trauma and trigger so many times, but there isn't a better word. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that emotional trauma with um, with something that has happened with whatever, and you your body is trying to save itself. Um, and, you know, the only way you can break that sort of conditioning is to, like, head, like, head straight for it in a very, like, safe and secure environment. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it would be I think we should go through this the the multiple different slides of this because I think it would be helpful. Um Okay. Just cause like it, it when you talk about triggers, it's very abstract. It's very sometimes intangible. Yeah. And it's um if people don't have like a context to it, you can kind of lose them. Um and because we're also talking about like our separate experiences with it or like how we can talk about it. I think that people need something like relatable for them. So like number one is identify your emotional triggers and what does like, what is an emotional trigger for you? It can be lyrics to a song. It can be having someone else control your time. It could be um, being asked to do something that you don't want to do, you know, like have a conversation that you're not ready for that sort of thing. Right. I mean, for me, there's one song that every time I listen to it, I, like, sob. Oh, yeah. Um, And it just, like, brings me back to a place where I was feeling super, super low and there was a lot of really bad stuff happening. And it's not even associated, again, like, with, like, a spe- like specific thing, but that song in particular, my um, I immediately, like, get transported back to that emotional place. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it is rough. But if I do need, like, a really good cry, it is a song that i used to provoke that i mean that's fair like if you don't have a song that you don't like ball your eyes out to are you even traumatized bro <laughs> are you even feeling were you even an emo kid in the early are you even triggered bro <laughs> <laughs> um and then i think another important thing is to um also note like any external stimuli um about I think both about your like what you think is triggering you but also maybe how that's associated with what you're being triggered about and so because I think that those can be really connected so thinking about like who was there what was happening your thought process and things like that so you know if there's someone in your life that um you I don't know for example like maybe you had like a really um bad 
breakup or something and it, or something really bad happened and then you are going to go to a party and your ex that you broke up with is going to be there, that might be um, a stimuli for a trigger. So like being able to like see your ex, you might feel triggered by that. Right. And then, you know, there's also the internal, the internal causes and also, you know, the introspection of how you're feeling, um, how you're behaving, um, and just kind of like take the time to identify your feelings, your thoughts, um, how your body feels even. Cause like, I don't know, sometimes my body feels like really tingly when I'm in that period, you know, and just take stock of where you are internally, not just externally, but also just take note of how you're feeling, how you're thinking of whatever, you know, I think that that's super helpful. I think a lot of times we lose that, that spot of you actually do need to have that introspection. Oh, absolutely. And I think this is something I really like struggle with and, um, you know, my, trigger responses are definitely a lot of them are internal and so this is something I was just like oh I'm not having panic attacks anymore like I'm totally fine but you absolutely need that introspection to really um understand kind of what's going on with you um and I think really importantly um just being able to keep notes that sounds so weird but like take note of when these things are happening. Um, you can uh, take, have a journal, do um, like write something down on your phone. You can, I've seen people, well not seen, but I know people who have uh, recorded things for themselves like on uh, the voice memo app on their phone. Um, this is not something that I'm like super into because my anxiety <laughs> is too high and I get like too embarrassed to be truthful with myself. Um, real weird thing. Um, but I, you know, I can see how it would be really helpful for people, um, just so you can see maybe a pattern and how you're feeling. But also I think journaling is a really good way, um, of being able to look back on where you were and seeing how far you have come because, you know, this like emotional work is really hard and it's super intangible and it's, you know, you can't. There aren't a lot of ways to, like, mark progress. Um, and so if you have something where you can look back on and be like, oh, like, that's how I was feeling. And look where I am now and, like, how I'm living my life. Yeah. You know, and maybe something else to do if if writing it down isn't the best option for you or isn't available at that time for whatever reason. Um, I mean... I also always find that like checking in with a partner or a friend and just talking to them about like, hey, this is how I was feeling um, if you're up for it, because sometimes that's not always the easiest thing. But like when you when you have a partner that you live with, you kind of have to communicate that sometimes. So, I mean, my partner's feedback is like, you kind of handled that like shit or like maybe you should handle it better, you know, think about it this way instead or, you know. Three months ago, that would have really pissed you off or really upset you, but you're handling it pretty well today. And having that outside perspective is sometimes really helpful because we get kind of absorbed into our own heads, you know, rightfully so, because that's like, it's our bodies and it's our brains and that's where we live. 
Um, but having an outside perspective is sometimes massively helpful to track your growth. Um, right. I mean, that's why therapists are really helpful if you can, um, you know, if you have the time and money and insurance to afford them, that's what they're there for. It's like to help provide that objective experience. But loved ones can also do that, but they are not your therapists. No, they're not. And also check in with your loved ones before you do it, because sometimes it can be triggering for them and they they might not necessarily be in a space that can be beneficial for both of you. And then I guess like the last one would just be like, understand your capacity. I don't have capacity. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely not true. You think that you have no capacity. And then when you reach your capacity, I get a text message that's like, oh, I can't do anything anymore. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> but like also capacity can, I think for I think one of the, the struggles, at least for me, is I feel like my capacity can change. And I don't know if that's necessarily because my capacity does change and and I'm unaware of it or if I'm just really bad at reading my levels and really my capacity is the same and I just don't know where I am. Like I don't have the emotional intelligence to know where I am. So, Oh, no, I think that it's kind of both, but I think everybody's capacity is going to be different on different days. Yeah. You know, because you're just in a different mental mental spot and um, or maybe you didn't sleep or maybe, you know, I don't know. Like there's a ton of other stuff that can impact how you're feeling like physical and uh, let's just I was going to list like things and now I don't have any more examples. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think but that is about like getting to know yourself, even just like. And I think, again, this goes back to, like, making sure you're keeping some sort of log of how you're feeling is I think you can also note when your capacity is changing and, like, you know, like, get train yourself to know when you're having a bad day um, or, like, recognize the signs, you know, like you do with migraines. You're like, oh, I'm having this symptom and this symptom, so I know, like, I'm going to have this kind of migraine probably later today. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's that's actually literally how I was just thinking about it is that like there's so many different kinds of triggers. Like we're we're talking about the emotional, psychological ones, but there's there's the physical triggers as well. If you live with a chronic illness or um, some sort of disability of, of any kind, you you know, you know that there is these physical triggers that you work to avoid or you work to mitigate. And like, what if you can't mitigate them? Here's what you have to do to recover from them. And just kind of like apply that internally to your emotional and psychological triggers. Like you can't avoid all of them, but we can start to mitigate them. And if you certainly can't mitigate it and you kind of have to deal with it, like here's what you can do to just deal with it or start to deal with it. Because like it, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, where right, right. you have to be patient to with like yourself. Note that understanding that you have triggers in general is like a huge thing and then also understand like and being able to recognize individual ones is like another amazing like incredible step and if you can take a moment even if you're like reacting badly or having a physical reaction to something that you taking a moment to like understand what's happening afterwards is also like huge like it's never going to be perfect like i've been in therapy for 
consistently for over a decade. And I didn't really understand, like, I still don't understand what some of my triggers are. And it takes me like days. Yeah. And you're not always going to know them up front. And you're not always going to. You you might be recognizing it months and years later. Right. Exactly. I'm just I think any sort of like recognition of those moments um, and just kind of trying to connect like that emotion and those feelings or maybe even physical feelings to a behavior is whether it's a trigger or not anything like that is like you're being an incredible like thoughtful human and like you're trying to understand yourself and that is a ginormous like step in to being a healthy person mm-hmm. but it's and also I, really hard yeah and exhausting. Oh, so hard I mean, it took me like three months to realize I was in a, a like a depressive state. So I can only imagine what like what it's like for anybody else. Like I'm like so in my head and so in denial, um, but also at the same time, like logically acknowledge all of my mental health struggles. It just it is. It's like so hard. I don't know what else to say, but it, it's hard for me and I can only imagine what it's like for other people. It is so hard to be, to pretend to be a quote unquote normal functioning adult. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, we're just pretending, like, we try really hard. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I, I want to be better than what I was a year ago. I want to be better than what I was a month ago, two days ago, even. It, so, like, it's important. It's important if, this is where you're at and you want to start getting better at it. Like you, you have to be self-aware and you have to work your way through it and understand that it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Exactly. And I think that's something that I have a really hard time with, um, is being okay with like, like constant, tiny minuscule progress because I mean obviously that is going to add up to after 10 years of work it's added up to a lot and I feel like very proud of who I am um but like where I currently am it's kind of hard to imagine where I want to be if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's like so far away and I have a very difficult time being compassionate to myself and like giving myself the same allowance that I would give to you or like anybody else in the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so hard being nice to yourself. Yes. Yes. Being nice and like generous. And I don't know, my therapist always uses the word compassionate. And I I definitely like am not compassionate to myself. I like will maybe be like nice for like a second. I'd be like, great job, Jamie. But like really trying to be generous with empathy you don't call yourself odd no i do not call myself (laughs) odd um but like being nice like being generous with yourself um in moments where you're acting like a shitty person like well not acting like a shitty person but you're doing something that's unhealthy and you know it's unhealthy like Mm -hmm. that is that is the hardest thing i mean i do not i'm not nice to myself when that happens it's hard to be nice to yourself right and so I think that is like, but you know, that's like at the top pyramid of, you know, the Maslow pyramid or whatever. 
being nice to yourself is at the top of the mouse. Be nice here. to yourself. I don't know what self-actualization means. Let's just put be nice to yourself <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, what do you guys think about triggers? Do you have a lot of... Um, do you struggle a lot with triggers? Um, have you made a lot of progress recently? Um, if you want to reach out to us, um, our email is palpalpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at palpalpodcast and be, be nice, nice to yourself. yourself.